Hi, and welcome to Applewood Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. If you are new to our podcast or maybe new to our church in general, none of us have it together, but we're here to worship the one who holds us together, and that is Jesus Christ. We hope that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and strengthens your heart as you continue your walk with Christ. So let's join Pastor Brad for today's message. Good morning, Applewood. Are you happy to be here? You know, you guys are my family. I would rather be here than any place else. I was out there visiting before I came up here, and somebody said, Brad, you're pretty. I'll take that. I thank you so much. So I am pretty. You've made my day. Thank you very much. My name is Brad Herman. I work at the men's ministry. I'm so happy to be here and stand before you. Yesterday, I was downstairs somewhat preparing for today, and there was an event going on that I just feel like I have to share with you. There was a radiant tea for children, young people, from the third grade to the sixth grade. And they were in there, and there was chairs set up, and there's balloons, and there was all this excitement, and these little girls were being there, and they were being trained on what it means to have identity in Jesus Christ. What a great thing. And then May 7th, there's another event for guys from third grade to sixth grade. The topic is the great race, and they too will be instructed and taught what it means to have an identity in Jesus Christ. Let me share something with you, parents. If you've got kids in that age group, you need to have them here because someone is going to teach them their values. If I had a child that age, I would make sure they're here so they are taught the values of Jesus Christ. You saw me carry this up. This is a trophy. It says sporting clays on here. Next Saturday is men's 3G, and we're not having it here. We're actually having it at Kiowa Creek for a sporting clays event. If you're a guy and you've not signed up, the deadline is Thursday. Go to the website, sign up. We're going to have a great time uh, fellowshipping, eating, and making things go poof. And so I look forward to that. I hope you're there. Today, we're going to be in John chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can start turning there right now. We'll be in verses 31 through 59. And this whole context that Jesus is talking about is about families. I love family. Last Friday night after an event at church here, we had 14 of my family went to Red Robin. And we ate, we ate french fries, and we told jokes, and we ate french fries, and we told more jokes, and we ate more french fries, and we talked about tomorrow and the past, and I'm sure we were about to get kicked out because it was, it was evolving into a food fight. We just had fun. I love family. And I know some of you come from unhealthy or broken families, but you're here today and you're going to hear an encouragement that you are in God's family. And as much as I love my earthly family, and I love them, I love you guys. I love to come up and know you, defend you, protect you, walk with you. I love this family. In today's text, Christ identifies characteristics of two families. And Jesus makes it very, very clear. There are only two families, Satan's and God's. And there are no bench warmers. You're in one of the two. There's no people in the stands watching this play out. You are either in God's family or Satan's family. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that we have your word and we have your truth. And Father, you are our Father. 
Father, I can't express what that means to me in my heart to know I'll be spending eternity with you and with my family here. You're such a good father. Let us see that today in the text. Let us be challenged by who we are and what family we're in. Pray that your Holy Spirit would just be set free to take your words, knit them, give them place in our lives. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. I hope you're at John chapter 8, verse 31. We'll start reading there through the balance of the chapter, which is 59. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered him and said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come from myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Who of you convicts me of any sin? And I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Then the Jews answered him, do we say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophet. And you say, if anyone keeps your word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He's dead and the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say he's your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And you have seen Abraham. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. 
The main idea of the message today, Jesus Christ's words in verse 31, I've paraphrased him just a little bit, but this is the main idea that Jesus is trying to communicate. If you believe and continue in my word, you will be my children, and you will know the truth, and it will set you free, and you will have eternal life. I need to set the stage just a little bit of what's going on here with Jesus. Last week, he was in the temple and we heard him his declaration that I am the light of the world. I am. I am. Several times in the Gospel of John, he proclaims that. Today, he has the same audience. He's still in the temple. He's not left it yet. And the battle, the antagonism is continuing. In fact, it is escalating. Jesus is there and he's trying to get their attention to have them here. And yet they will not hear. And the accusations keep coming and the intensity builds and the intensity builds. And Jesus comes to the point where he becomes very harsh. And he says, your father, you are of your father, the devil. Probably the harshest words Jesus ever said on this earth. The most harshest words he'll say is when we get stand before him and you hear, depart from me, I never knew you. We're gonna address that issue today. Jesus' harshness was in fact a divine display of mercy and love. Because there was so much at stake. There was so much at risk. There was so much going on. He said, Brad, what was that? Verse 24, you will die in your sins. And he says it three times as many verses. That's the urgency of Jesus' harshness of his plea. But it's actually love and mercy because he cared about the Pharisees. The intensity raises and Jesus starts and he defines what it looks like to be in God's family, to make the differential between where they were and where he was. And there's five characteristics that Jesus brings to our attention. Look with me at verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, stop, believed in him. That's the first characteristic of someone in God's family, belief. Belief in who he is. In fact, I would suggest from John 17, three, and listen to these words, and this is eternal life, that you may know him, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus Christ says salvation is boiled down to knowing God, knowing who he is. And in knowing him, we believe him. The door to belief, to door to God's family, has the words belief written on it. When you believe, you walk through that door. And then he adds the word abide, the next thing in verse 31. And you have to ask yourself, well, if I believe, why does he put the word abide there? Abide is a very strong word. If belief is the door you go in there, it's abide that shuts the door behind you and you are sealed forever. And the reason that word is in there is because belief can be very deceiving. We're Baptists, we like to say, when were you, bo when were you born again? And you say, wait a minute, it's in my card right here. And you pull it out and you say, October, blah, 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 blah. That's when I accepted Jesus Christ. And that could absolutely be true. But it might not be true. What is the proof of belief? How do you know you believe? I've spent nights wondering about that. And Jesus Christ gives us the answer right here. It's abiding what does the word abiding mean? It means to endure without yielding, to remain stable, 
to remain fixed in a state, to continue in a place. Matthew 10, says, and you will be hated by all my na- for my name's sake. And listen, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Is he saying that you need to muscle up and just endure and do it as a duty? No, he's saying if you believe, you will endure. Enduring or abiding is proof of your belief. In 1 John 2, 9, we hear this. They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Abiding is proof of the family that you're in, the second characteristic. My wife, Robin, is in Texas right now with her granddaughter. She left last Wednesday. She'll be back next Tuesday at 5 o'clock or 5.05. Tick-tock, tick-tock. I miss my wife. I love my wife. When we're together, I'm different. She makes me a better man. In fact, I nearly didn't make it here today because I couldn't get this button fixed. She does that for me. I wrestle and I wrestle. I'm going to be late. I nearly came with one sleeve rolled up and one down. I need my wife. And when she's absent from me, my heart aches. Why? Because we abide together. We endure together. We carry loads together. She's my partner. Jesus Christ in abiding is, is, is using that abide as an illustration. If you are absent from God for a while, do you ache? Do you miss him? Does he change your life? Jesus Christ said the first characteristic is believe. Believe. Know him. The second one is to abide in his word. That's proof of the belief, but more than just proof. It gives our life life. I liken the word abide to family. Families, healthy families, abide together. They're there for each other. We care for them. When they're hurt, we're hurt. Is abide a duty? No. Abide is family. Do you know you were saved by God for fellowship, to be part of the family? In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, we look at these words. I want to listen carefully. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. Now listen, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Salvation is boiled down to knowing him and abiding him. And we become part of a family and we were saved to have fellowship. I love you guys. I don't know why you're here. I can tell you why I'm here today. Because I love you. You're my family. And I believe the, that the most of you are here as well. This is your family. You can't wait to be here. This is, you'd rather be no place else. Because this is family. We were saved to be family. The third characteristic of being in God's family is we know the truth. We abide and we know the truth. What is truth? In our culture today, and I don't think we're so unique, we think we are because the persecution seems to be rising, but it's been since the beginning of time. Truth has been unavailable for those who seek it in the flesh. What is truth? Is it the placard you drove by today that says whatever it says? That's truth? Does truth make me richer? Does it make me smarter? 
Will I know the workings of the universe if I find the truth that Jesus Christ is talking about? No. That's not the truth Jesus is talking about here. And the clue or the answer to that is in the next verse. It will set you free. You will know the truth and it will set you free. Well, what is the truth that Jesus Christ is talking about? He started in chapter one of John, two, three, four, five. Everywhere you see Jesus' claim, his proclamation, I am, I am the I am. Last week we talked about I am the light of the world. I am, they knew what that meant. He's the God of creation. Next thing he points out to us is that, and you're not. We think we are. That's our problem. And when we think we are, then we come up with our own truth. Jesus Christ, if you abide in my word, I will show you the truth. The truth is I am and you are not. And that's very important. Because when you believe you are the I am, control of your life, then you're going to try to fix your life. And you can't. The third thing that Jesus teaches all the time through there is I am the Lamb of God and you are broken because of sin and you, now listen to me, you can't fix yourself. There's not enough how-to books in all the libraries of the world that you can read to fix yourself because you have a DNA of sin and you can't fix it. But Jesus Christ says, I am the Lamb of the world, I'm the Lamb of God and I come to take away the sins of the world. This is the truth that Jesus Christ is saying. The last one or the next one is that rejection of him, you will die in your sins. You have a choice. You can believe that truth. You can be saved from sin, the slavery of sin, or you can look not to and you will die in your sins. But Jesus Christ has made it very clear. Without him, you are helpless. And we're gonna see in just a moment how the Pharisees ignored that and what they claimed Jesus is the only way to God's family, to heaven. Only Jesus Christ. That is the truth that you will discover, that he will reveal to you when you believe, when you abide, you'll know the truth, and it will set you free. Free from sin. How powerful is that? Have you ever thought about what it would be not to be from sin? Not to be free. You're under condemnation. You carry this weight on it all the time. We are saved. We are free from the penalty of sin. John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The penalty of sin is gone. I can stand before God and he doesn't see me in my sins because Jesus Christ was propitiation. That means he took my place on the cross and he washed me clean with his blood. And when I accept that, I stand righteous before God. I am a new creature. Oh, glory to be, how great that reality is. I am freed from the penalty of sin. That's enough to do cartwheels down the aisle. But I'm too pretty to do that. <laughs> We're also saved from the power of sin. Now listen with me. We don't have to be on the burden of sin. We've been freed from the power of sin. In Galatians chapter five, we read these words. I say then, walk in the spirit and you should not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. Do you struggle with that? I do. But the Bible says, if I walk in the spirit, I don't have to be under the burden of sin. 
See, when Jesus Christ saved me from the penalty of sin, he saved me the power of sin because he embedded in me his spirit, his seed. I now have a choice. Does my flesh still exist? Yes, it does. And I say like Paul, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this sin? And then he says, there's no condemnation because I've been delivered from the penalty. But we have a choice of children of God in his family to say, I choose not to. By the power of the Holy Spirit in me, because I'm a new person, I can choose not to sin. And a lot of you thinking right now, whoa, that sounds too good to be true. Not my words. Not my words. They're his words. We have a choice. In Galatians 5.19, it actually talks about some of the things that we get wrapped into as Christians. And the list is kind of long, and I'll speed through it. But it says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, cleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. It goes on and on and on and talks about drunkenness and all these things that we can be drugged back into. And he says, you, you can't really be drugged into these because you have a choice. And here's something I want you to hear me real quick. When you become a child of God, you are different. Something supernaturally has changed you. John 3, 9 says he's put his seed in you. God's seed lives in you. You are different. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen says you are a new creature. Does that make a difference? Yes. Yes. I am different than what I used to be. I've been set free from the slavery of sin and no longer has any power over me and no longer has any penalty to me. We need to encourage each other that when we sin, we do not practice it. I had a guy call me this last week, a member of this church whom I love dearly, and he has fallen. And he's gotten himself involved with the things he shouldn't be involved in. And he calls me up, and I could hardly understand his words. He was blubbering. Tears were splashing off the receiver of the phone. His life was wrecked and he exhibited repentance and contrition. I can't believe I hurt my family, my father. See, that's the motivation we have when we sin. It's not a checkbox. It's that I belong to him. His seed is in me. I am different. 1 John 3, 9 says we can't even sin, but it means practicing sin. When we sin, if we belong to him, we should have a heart of contrition and, and exhibit the demonstration that David did in Psalms 51, who said, I've sinned against thee and thee only. Or Isaiah chapter 6, when he falls before God, he says, oh, oh, I'm a man undone. I am wrecked because he saw himself in his sin against the love of our father. We cannot change ourselves, but we need to recognize that we have the power from the Holy Spirit because we've been set free. In 1 John 2.9, it says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is of him. 3.7, little children that no one deceive you, he who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. We are a new people. We are different, and we need to act our bloodline. We go back to Galatians chapter 5 and we talk about all those things that Paul laid off, laid, named off of all the things we get involved with. And then it ends with this. And this is a scary statement that Paul makes. 
Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, we're different from Satan's family. They are a slave to sin, and we're going to explore that briefly in just a few moments. But we are not. We are not a slave to sin. We possess him in us. And we need to recognize that and live that way. A leopard has spots. You remove the spots. He's not a leopard. Christians, people in God's family, practice righteousness. That's who we are. If I came up to your neighbor and said, hey, how does John act? Would they be able to tell me, oh, this guy's weird. He always does good things. He's a good guy. He loves on me. He's weird. Or would you mix in with them? We are different. And if we're not different, then when do you look in the mirror and get a grip on that? You know, we talk about freedom from sin and, and what a glorious thing. Let me just quickly just close this portion of the service. I'm not closing the service. But what is greater than freedom from sin? Can you list anything on a sheet of paper, go home and think about it? Well, I'd rather be rich. I'd rather be pretty. Whatever that is, is there anything greater than to have your sins forgiven and the power of sin lifted from you? There is nothing. That is true freedom. Not economic struggles, social issues. Those have nothing to do with true freedom. They won't ease that pain within you. There is nothing greater that we can possess than freedom from sin. And that leads to the fifth point that is, that is the, the reward of being a child of God in his family. It says in verse 51, you shall never see death. Incredible. God's family will never see death. The reward, the benefit of abiding is truth, freedom, and eternal life. You guys need to get used to me because we're going to spend eternity together. And we're going to remember this day. And I'm going to come up to you and say, remember that day? And you say, yeah, you're the guy in the pink shirt. And we're going to spend forever together. What a glorious thing. And we're going to spend it as a family that loves each other. I love family. And there's hope in God's family, no matter what your earthly family looks like. This gives us hope and excitement. Let's contrast this to Satan's family. Satan's family is different. They trust not in the Lord Jesus Christ and the great I am. They trust in the flesh. How do I know that? Because when Jesus Christ at the end of verse 32 says, you can be free, they said, stop. We're Abraham's seed. We are free. We're from Abraham, his loins. I've got a bloodline. I can trace it right to me. I'm Abraham's seed. And that's what they leaned on. That was their get out of hell free card. And Jesus Christ says, no, no. Because indeed they were not Abraham's spiritual seed. Yes, they can claim we're Abraham's seed. In fact, they brought up twice in this narrative. Twice they leaned on that. Oh, I'm good to go. I've got Abraham's seed. Our world today, this is very relative. They have something they're hanging on to. It could be their heritage. It could be their checking account. It could be their relationship, their power, whatever it is. They, you can trust in the flesh and it will get you nowhere. And that's the sign of the first characteristic of someone in Satan's family. 
They trusted in, their, in the flesh. What was Abraham? Was that a legitimate claim? Could you claim that? I suppose you could, but not physically. You'd have to claim the spirituality of Abraham. And we see that in Genesis 15, 6. And he, Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him as righteousness. There's that word belief again. That was the first characteristic we explored in John chapter 1. And here it is, Abraham exhibiting that. He believed God's word. If we read about Abraham's life, it goes on, and you know he trusted God, he abided with God, and his actions were. If you walked up to Abraham's neighbor and says, tell me about Abraham, there would be no problem that they would identify him as being different, that he was part of God's family because of his faith and his trust in his heart. Romans 2, Paul helps us with understanding what a true Jew is. Not a Jew that focuses on the lineage of Jesus, of, of, uh, of Abraham, but a true Jew is one who is not one outwardly, nor is circumcised, that which is outward in the flesh. Listen to this. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. What Paul says is, it's all about heart. It's all about abiding. That's what being a family of God means. Not trusting in the flesh. Not trusting the flesh. I challenge you guys to look at your lives and see what your get out of jail free card looks like. The third, the second thing that characterizes a member of the family of Satan is that they are a slave to sin. We spent a little time, a few moments ago, talking about being a slave to sin from the family of God's perspective. This is a slave to sin from Satan's perspective. Being a slave to sin. Let me explain to you what that actually means. What is a slave? A slave is under a control of a master. A slave has no say. A slave is always, always does the bidding of his master without question. As a slave life belongs to the master. And a slave's life is recognized by who his master is. A slave of sin is someone defined by sin. Who is mastered by sin. Who habitually, unrepentedly, unremorsively sins. He is controlled by his master's sin. To them, sin is fun. They love sin. According to uh, John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. They love their sin. They like to do it. In our text today, Jesus Christ says, You want to do the desires of your father. They were a slave to that. If the master said, Jump, you jumped. You had no choice. You are a slave to sin. And Jesus Christ points that out to them. He says, you can tell me you are a son of Abraham, but you're not. And I can prove it to you. You seek to kill me. You seek to kill me. Abraham would not do that. Abraham loved God. Abraham welcomed God. And for these Jews to say, we're children of Abraham, and then demonstrate exactly the opposite of Abraham, Jesus Christ says, no, you're not. You do as your father does. We learn here that who is Satan? He's the father of lies and murderers. That's what he does. We see it not very, very long in, in the Bible. In, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, he starts with a lie and then he murders the entire human race with sin. He's a murderer. And we look at the Jews and their actions and their hearts. They were murderous. They wanted to stone him. And they lied. They even said, Jesus, you are a demon. 
And they exhibited the deeds of their father. That's the second characteristic of someone in Satan's family. The third characteristic is they practice the deeds of the father. We just talked about that. The father was a murderer. You cannot help but do what your master says. That's what a slave does. They did the desires of their father. Their proof, and you can look at your life. If you want to know who you belong to, look at what you do. Look at what you're about. And it become very clear. And that's why I believe this narrative is here for us today. Whose family do you belong to? The fourth characteristic is my word has no place in you. What does that mean? The word place is very interesting. It really means a fixture. There's something in you that moves you in a direction. My wife is a fixture in my life. I love her. I move in the direction to please her. When I disappoint her, I am devastated. How much more, how much more is God's word in my life? Is it a fixture in my life? Does it make a difference? Does it move me in a direction to him? Jesus Christ said, the fourth characteristic of belonging to Satan's family is, my word doesn't have a place in you. You can't even hear it. It doesn't move you in any direction. It makes no difference to you. And the fifth point that I want to bring up is, is the worst one of all. Being a member of Satan's family, you will die in your sins. You will die in your sins. Verse 24, therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. How do we know where their hearts were? Did they die in their sins? They picked up stones to stone him. They couldn't hear. Their word had no place. His word had no place. They didn't love him. They just claimed and, and hang on to that flesh. That flesh. I challenge you guys today to consider these things. Whose family are you in? God's family? We have characters of what that look like. Satan's family. We have characteristics of what that looks like.